And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello everyone, welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 326. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois, though we're coming a little bit less often for the time being. That is, we have shifted to a bi-weekly schedule. Schedule? What the hell is a schedule? Anyway, uh, we're, we're on a bi-weekly schedule uh, for the next little while. I don't know how long. It's just until things get a little bit less crazy, mainly at work. Uh, we've had some personal stuff going on in my family as well, as, as some of you all know. Um, so... This is really kind of to accommodate the vast amounts of overtime that I'm working right now. And it looks like that's going to be continuing until at least the end of October. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see you know, if I can get, manage to squeeze a, a, an episode or two out more often than, than every two weeks. But yeah, for the moment, biweekly it is. And, and I do apologize for that. Okay, so I think we're back on track now here and after our mythology episode that we had the two fill-in episodes. We are back to covering uh, the mighty Thor and we have an issue to cover right after the music. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard where the booming heavens roar you behold in breathless wonder And this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number eight, and uh, yeah, this is this came out in 2016. Don't know the date. Uh, cover art is by Russell Dowderman. Shows Thor, that is the uh, female Thor, and she is kind of descending down through the clouds and uh, is lightninging all around. And yeah, it's just a kind of a generic pose, but but it is very well drawn, and her hair looks like uh, P. Craig Russell drew it. So definitely some influence there. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty pretty dynamic cover here. And it leads us to the inevitable splash page. The story so far, because it's been a while since we've covered this, this part of it. Rather than joining with Thor to defend Alfheim against an attack from Malekith, Odin declared Thor an enemy of the realm eternal. He even put Freya, the All-Mother, on trial for supporting Thor. Thor was so enraged that after she single-handedly dispensed with the Dark Elves' forces, she attacked the All-Father. While the two were distracted, Loki did what he does best. He stabbed Freya in the back with a poisoned blade. Now Odin has taken his ailing wife and has gone into hiding. His brother, Cool Borson, serves as regent in the now somber court of Asgard. And Thor battles on. The title of the story is The Lords of Midgard. Jason Aaron was the writer. Russell Dowderman is the artist. Color artist is Matthew Wilson. They also did the cover. VC's Joe Sabino did the letter and production. There were some variant covers that we don't care about. Assistant editor is Charles Beecham. Editor is Will Moss. Executive editor is Tom Brevoort. Axel Alonzo is the editor-in-chief. Joe Casada was the chief creative officer. Dan Buckley is the publisher. And Alan Fine was the executive producer. 
Let's uh, move on to the story. So we uh, show Thor, and she is doing uh, good deeds, kind of all around the world, it looks like. And the first panel shows Thor... Well, I guess she's uh, making water spew up from underneath the desert floor. And it says here, on Wednesday, I dug a well. Thursday, I made falling stars. It looks like she uh, is destroying like some sort of asteroid or something that's going to threaten the Earth. Friday, I went fishing with a friend. And there it shows uh, Thor carrying, uh, obviously, a cancer patient. Uh, and the, they're out over the ocean. And the... A uh, cancer patient is touching a whale's tail, just sticking up out of the water. Sunday, I made sure it didn't rain on her funeral. So, oh, and then we find out the name of the uh, friend, too, is Gloria Martinez. Anyway, so uh, so she died after petting the whale, I guess. Over the weekend, I drank like a Viking, and it shows her in a desert setting. Looks like American soldiers, and they're drinking and she's also fighting like a Viking, uh, stopping looks like a bank robbery, a big vault. Raged like a Viking, and it shows a Loki for President rally. So yeah, so this is going on during that whole Loki for President thing. Come Monday, I was sitting in the Senate chamber arguing with fire demons and dwarves and wishing I was being shot at again. And yeah, so uh, Thor being in Asgard, of course. And now it says... Now comes Tuesday. I hate Tuesdays. And we see a swirling of rainbow energy. And we see um, uh, Jane Foster. And she is in her head wrap and all that other stuff. And she has been deposited on the city streets of, of New York. Um, and an alleyway in this case. Not, not necessarily in the middle of the street the way Thor normally does. Every other Tuesday, I leave Asgardia, which is currently in orbit around Saturn, and take the Rainbow Bridge into Midtown Manhattan. Most days, it's hard enough being Thor, but days like today, it's even harder being. And she is at the McCarthy Medical Institute, Maria Wheelock Cancer Center, and there's a woman out here, and she recognized Jane on the street, and she's like, Jane Foster. And so, so we have a, a woman and her, uh, her male companion, and they look to be S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and they are confronting Jane Foster on the street. Agent Colonel, Agent Creel, we're agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We assume you've heard of S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. has certainly heard of you. We'd like to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. Or even if you do. Questions about a subject I believe you're familiar with. Questions about Thor. Thor? Uh, okay. Sure, I guess. If you'll follow us. And uh, they take off in a flying car, as S.H.I.E.L.D. agents often do, heading towards what looks like the helicarrier. And the caption says, I really hate Tuesdays. The scene shifts to Bern, Switzerland, in the Universal Bank. Very fancy stonework. It looks like archway, and there's a big vault here. And there's a meeting going on, and this uh, guy is saying, uh, There's no need for introductions at this table. If you weren't already familiar with the other players on this board, you wouldn't even know this table existed, let alone be sitting at it right now. Still, to those of you who are here for the first time, I say welcome. Welcome to the Mount Everest of capitalism. And they're sitting in a giant bank vault, and they're just surrounded by just stacks and stacks and stacks of gold bars. This table is where anything of significance that happens on this planet is first decided. 
This is where the earth is truly governed. Welcome to the 1% of the 1%. And we have a, a title uh, blurb here, I guess. It's an introduction to this guy. And he's kind of a nerdly looking guy wearing a ugly uh, green checked shirt and a gray bow tie that doesn't quite match. And he's wearing like these turtle shell glasses, you know, tortoise shell, I guess they call it. And his name is Tiberius Stone, and he is the head of research and development at Alchemax. And he is joined by several other people here. I'm just going to go around and uh, name them, and then I'll, we'll start talking about what he's saying here. So we have Sebastian Shaw, who is the principal owner of Shaw Industries. Of course, everyone knows uh, out there probably who's listening. He is a member of the Hellfire Club. Darren Cross, the founder of Cross Technological Enterprises, who is sitting on a chair on the table um, from the looks of it. I'm not really sure. We have uh, Shingen Harada, who's the CEO of the Yashida Corporation. Ezekiel Stain, the CEO of Stain International. Ferdox, who is the Supreme Director of Interstellar Operations of Shi'ar Solutions Consolidated, as obviously a Shi'ar alien woman. Wilhelmina Kingsington, who is the acting CEO of Kilgore Arms, and she's a sort of goth chick with blonde hair, kind of perky goth look, and she is petting a, a dead cat. Um, we also have Wilson Fisk, the president of Fisk Industries, also known as Kingpin. And we have a conversation going on. Tiberius Stone continues. Meetings have been taking place at this table for many years, long before most of us were born. These meetings don't have a name. No record of them has ever existed or ever will. There are no friends or allies in this room, only peers, as confirmed by the contents of our bank accounts, peers, and professional courtesies. Unfortunately, we are called here today because one among us has of late been rather disappointingly discourteous. Do you even have the gall to deny it, Mr. Agar? And, of course, we also have Dario Agar here, who is the CEO of Roxon. And uh, Dario Agar says, Gall is one of the many things I possess in prodigious quantities, Mr. Stone. But perhaps you'd first like to tell me exactly what it is I'm meant to be denying. And please do skip the skull and bones theatrics. I'm losing a million dollars for every minute I'm untethered from my phone. And we have uh, uh, Sebastian Shaw says, We know everything, Agar. We know what your shareholders haven't yet been told about the mines in Svartalfheim, the drilling in Alfheim. And we have the little uh, Darren Cross guys sitting on the table. We know about the deal you've made with King Malekith, giving you access to the realms of Norse legend. It was foolish to think you could hide such things from us, Mr. Agar. Dangerously foolish, says Shaw. I have nothing to hide from the people in this room, says Agar. And he's thinking to himself, note to self, fire everyone, then eviscerate them. Then why are we just now hearing of these developments, says Tiberius? You opened a new market, yet have not offered to share. There are some in this room who take offense to that oversight. Now would be your opportunity to dissuade them for perhaps doing anything rash. Mr. Agar, they're mine says Agar. Pardon me. The other realms. They're mine! And he smashes the table with his fist and he cracks the table. And Tiberius says, Then I fear we have a problem. Yes, 
You do, says Agar. If anyone at this table dares to interfere in my business, you will most definitely have a problem. Ezekiel Stain uh, speaks up. This is not a room you want to go making threats in, Dario. I press two buttons on my Stain phone, and your stock price makes like a Golden Gate jumper. And maybe you will suddenly find you are having problems with interstellar customs that you were not having before, says the Shi'ar rep. And maybe your mother is suddenly getting shot in her face, says the, the creepy goth chick. You're not the first man from Roxxon to sit in that chair, Agar. You needn't be the last. I suggest you make an effort to remember that, says the kingpin. I suggest you get... Fisk, he swears. All of you! I've worked too damn hard to let you insects ride on my coattails for another damn second. If anyone in this room wants a piece of my business, then you better be ready to step up and take it. And his eyes are glowing, and it looks like uh, Agar is getting ready to change into his minotaur form. And a voice says, All right. And Agar is like, What did you say? I'm taking you up on your offer, Mr. Agar, as is a Mr. Harada. Consider this a hostile takeover. Mr. Haradan, please not here, says Tiberius. Silver Samurai Jr., says Agar. I'd honestly forgotten you even existed, kid. Why don't you run off back to Mutant Land or wherever you... Uh, sorry, what is that? I was just noticing how Roxxon's global pipeline system seems to suddenly be experiencing some rather catastrophic mechanical failures. And how someone in your corporate headquarters just accidentally downloaded a particularly nasty virus. And, oh dear, it appears your personal cloud has just been hacked. Those are some unfortunate tan lines you've got there, Dario. And uh, he's like, you son of a... And we, as we see, um, Harada's phone is sort of melting and covering him with sort of liquid metal. And he's like, now remind me again, where were we? Oh, right. I was just about to slice off your head. And, and it looks like armor is forming around him, kind of like liquid. And we are shifting scenes, and we are on the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier uh, high above New York City. Uh, they do a, a creditable job here in the art. We'll talk about the art, of course, at the end. And so uh, Jane Foster is being questioned by these two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't believe in secret identities, Miss Foster. S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't like it when someone keeps secrets from us. Especially when that someone is one of the most powerful beings on the planet. Those kinds of people aren't entitled to secrets. We need to know who they are and if we can trust them. Or if we can't trust them. S.H.I.E.L.D. has an entire division devoted to uncovering secret identities. And we're it. We knew Tony Stark was Iron Man before his girlfriend did. We knew She-Hulk was some two-bit lawyer. We knew Doctor Strange was Doctor Strange. And we knew that the old Thor, the bearded Thor, once pretended to be a doctor called Donald Blake. Donald Blake, your former boss, your former boyfriend. Do you see where this is going, Miss Foster? Not really, says Jane. Now there's a new Thor running around. Has a mask on her helmet. Only one reason someone wears a mask. Means they've got something to hide. You knew the old Thor well, didn't you, Miss Foster? You even knew him in the biblical sense. Now you live on Asgard. Asgardia, whatever. Something tells me, Miss Foster, that you know more about this new Thor than you're telling us. You know who she is, don't you? We're S.H.I.E.L.D. 
If you decide to play hardball with us, we can make your life very difficult. Very, very difficult. Tell us what you know, Miss Foster. Tell us Thor's secret identity. Or else. Or a very big else. And they're getting all up in her face, and she's just kind of looking at them. Would you like me to make a list? And a uh, voice comes from uh, beyond, says, What the hell is this? Because I know it can't be what it looks like. Because what it looks like is two grown jerkwads trying to intimidate a very sick woman. And this is Roz Solomon, who is our, our friend of Thor from uh, late in the Thor God of Thunder run, who he used to, to pal around with. Mind your own business, Agent Solomon. My apologies on behalf of S.H.I.E.L.D., ma'am. You can go now. No, you can't. No, she can't. I'll be happy to give you a lift back to the city. This isn't over, says the agent. For your sakes, it had better be, says Roz. Miss Foster, I wouldn't recommend you walk out that. It's Dr. Foster, actually. The next time you have questions for me, you can call my lawyer. You'll like her. She's big and green and loves to smash things. Good day, agents. And the three of them go walking out of this meeting. And they are in Roz's red car, red flying car. It's much cooler than the other flying cars. And it comes flying down from the helicarrier back to Manhattan. And Roz says, I really am sorry about that. I came as soon as I heard they'd brought you in. Usually anything Thor-related gets run across my desk first, since I, well, actually, I guess we both used to. He spoke very highly of you. I know he cares for you deeply. I don't want this to be weird, because I really respect what you did as a doctor in Broxton. And I'd actually been meaning to ask you out for coffee sometime. But please tell me to stop talking if this is weird, because otherwise I'll just keep talking until... The only weird thing is that he's gone. Please tell me that you have some idea where the Prince of Asgard has disappeared to. Satellite images from a few months ago show him hanging out on the moon. That was the last record we have of him. There are energy readings there that S.H.I.E.L.D. can't yet explain. A relatively recent phenomenon, something that started when... And there's a, um, a radio message coming. Agent Solomon, your rocks on wiretap. It just got a hit. Something big is happening in Switzerland. Looks like your theory of a secret corporate summit might just have some truth to it. I'm really sorry, Dr. Foster, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to. Please, Roz, call me Jane. And after you're done kicking Roxanne's ass, I expect to call about that coffee. And we shift scenes, and it's Jane walking on the streets of New York City and narrating, of course, Halfheim where Malekith has bewitched the queen. Jotunheim, where Loki hides behind his frost giant father. Asgardia, where a serpent sits on the throne and the Congress of Worlds is in chaos. Switzerland, where Roxxon is apparently being Roxxon again. Avengers headquarters in Jersey, wherever the hell the other Thor has disappeared to. There's a million different places I should be right now, and none of them are here. And she walks past the, uh, the cancer center and back into the, uh, the alleyway next to it where she left her hammer. And it's, the hammer's just kind of floating here in the air. And she says, yeah, yeah, I know. Stop looking at me like that. And thinking to herself, me trying not to die will have to wait until tomorrow. Right now, the Earth doesn't need a sickly doctor from Staten Island. It needs the goddess of thunder. And Jane reaches out and she grabs the hammer 
and she transforms into Thor. And there's another caption, and I need directions to Switzerland. Does this hammer have GPS? They're uh, back at this bank, the Universal Bank, and uh, there's a uh, radio broadcast. Boss just triggered his watch alarm. This is priority one alert. All rocks on agents. Get in there. Copy that, they say, and there's a bunch of soldiers like, uh, heading towards the, uh, the bank. And as the soldiers go rushing in, there's a woman in the lobby. We know it's a woman because she's wearing high heels. Could be a guy, I suppose, but I believe it's a woman. And she's got these really, really precarious-looking high heels with these big, huge, like, fork spikes coming down out of them. And uh, she is going into the lobby of the bank where she is met by a teller, middle-aged woman, kind of voluptuous. And she says, Ah, so good to see you again, madam. How may we help you today? And she whips out a golden uh, a credit card that uh, says Midas on it. And she says, I believe this should cover it. And the guy, uh, glasses, saying, Oh, I'm sorry, but cover what? She's got this sort of flowing black costume thing kind of along with her funky heels. And she says, the damages. And she pulls out a, a gun that looks like it's made out of gold. And uh, the soldiers are coming in and they're, uh, they've all got guns and they're threatening the staff. And they're like, move, Roxanne coming through. Mr. Agar, where are you? And there's a blam, blam, blam. And they are all shot. Uh, they're shot by golden bullets. And uh, they, they're like, uh, gold, golden bullets, what's? And this woman keeps walking and she's still shooting. And she's like, sorry about the mess. Do keep the change. And we shift back into the, uh, the meeting room where we have the silver samurai and his energy sword, and they're confronting Dario Agar, and Agar is, uh, is changing into the Minotaur as we speak, and he's like, you come at me with a fancy suit of armor and a sword? You have no idea what you're dealing with, boy. And as he's uh, transforming, he's like, Rargh! It's interesting that he uh, says a, uh, like a little gold disc is suddenly attached to his back, and he starts getting covered with gold, or he starts turning into gold, one of those things. And the Silver Samurai not really doing anything. He's just kind of standing there. And uh, he's going, Rawr! And the voice comes from behind. Now what you're dealing with, Dario Agar, is roughly 20,000 volts. And the end of your world, as you know it. And we have the um, uh, full... The, the full disclosure of the woman who is shooting people with golden bullets. And it is Oubliette Midas, a.k.a. a.k.a. the Exterminatrix, the sole owner of the Midas Foundation. And so uh, Agar is laying on the ground here, and he's smoking. So, yeah, he, he looks like he's unconscious. And uh, Oubliette says, I'd call this meeting adjourned, ladies and gentlemen. And when next you convene, make sure you save a seat for me. We have the same meeting room, and this is five and a half minutes later, according to the caption. And we have something decloaking in the room. And it turns out to be um, Roz Solomon. And uh, she says, I just missed it, Colson, But something definitely happened here. 
The lobby's filled with dead rocks on security agents. I think we might need backup on this one. And uh, at that very moment, the vault door gets ripped off its hinges. <laughs> and it is Thor. She, she's like, Dario Agar of Roxon, prepare to answer for your crimes, you foul beast. And yeah, big mess being made here by Thor. And Roz is like, Coulson, belay that request. I think my backup just arrived. And we have one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that had been questioning Jane before. And she's at the cancer center, and she's talking to somebody on her her you know, ear radio sort of thing. And uh, she says, um, she isn't here. And from what the nurses said, Jane Foster doesn't always show up for her cancer treatments. And even when she does, she sometimes disappears before she's through. I'm starting to think this whole cancer thing might be some sort of smokescreen. What about you? You got anything? Oh, I got something. I definitely got something. The, uh, the male S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and he's outside another building, and he's shooting with a camera up into the sky where there's a flying car being followed by Thor. Smile for the camera, ladies, he says, and that is Thor number eight. We're going to be talking about this uh, quite a bit here, and we'll be doing that right after this message. Space, the final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Give Me That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Give Me That Star Trek. A new episode every month, only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. And we're back to comment on the issue, as we always do. So, yeah, it's very apparent from the, the, the quality of the artwork here that Russell Dowderman really enjoyed his couple months off. The artwork in this issue uniformly is dare I say, it's amazing. It's great artwork. I mean, th this is phenomenal. That We've got really brilliant uh, line work here. We've got really good layouts here. Um, the opening sequence of, of Jane coming to Earth and she's got this sort of rainbow swirling around her. All this is just really well composed. They've just done an amazing job with it. I, I really, as time goes on, I think that Dowderman is just getting better. And it's really apparent from, you know, from having this break over the last couple of issues that he needs time to craft his work to do his absolute best work. And maybe that's always been true of comic book artists. But, I mean, I think it's definitely true with, a, with an artist like Dowderman who does have a genuine talent for layout and composition and making everything look, look really gorgeous. You know, there's there's an attention to detail in this artwork that is just is really really good. I just love it. I, I think that this is one of the best artists in years. Um, he still has some you know annoying little things that are are going on with you know hair and beards and that kind of thing. But uh, this whole issue is just brilliantly drawn. I think it's really well written. I think the idea of having this, you know, super secret business consortium sort of thing, I mean, that, that's a perfectly fine idea, very Marvel. Um, 
and, and I think that, that it works, and, and it, I think particularly works in this scenario where now all of a sudden something is happening with Dario Agar. I mean, he's kind of been permitted to run amok, and it only makes sense that there would be some other villainous-type people, or at least neutral-type people who are in business with him, that they would take offense at some of the stuff he's doing when it came to light. So I think it makes sense from a story standpoint, and I think it's pretty well told. I think we we've, have we've a uh, appealing group of players, not all of whom I'm really familiar with, um, but you know, I'm certainly am familiar with the original Silver Samurai, familiar, of course, with the Kingpin, because who isn't? You know, so I just think that you know, they do a really nice job of, of balancing this issue. We've got the interrogation here by these uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And, I mean, you kind of get the sense that S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't really talk to each other. I mean, I don't know if that's a drawback or if that's just the way kind of things are in the Marvel Universe at this point. But I, I like the fact that you know, they pick Jane up for, for questioning and... And then uh, Roz Solomon comes in and is like, yeah, what the hell are you guys doing here? <laughs> it's like, uh, I do, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's uh, pretty good. You know, I, I'm kind of oblivious to a lot of what's going on in the Marvel Universe because I'm not a regular reader anymore. But I, I think that story-wise, this certainly is, uh, is pretty cool, makes sense. And even though we don't get much Thor, I, I think it's kind of a cracking issue. I, th I think that there's a lot good to be said about it. And other than that, I don't have a lot to say. I mean, you know, like I said, good story, brilliant artwork. It's amazing on all levels. And looking forward to the continuation. And I guess that's it. So thanks once again, folks, for listening. I really do appreciate it. And, of course, if you want to email the show, feel free to do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. Looking forward to any comments that people might send my way. Have y'all seen Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah, we have. I don't know if I talked about that before, but uh, yeah, we, we kind of liked it. Um, not going to do a full review of it, but uh, yeah, uh, definitely check that out if you haven't seen it. It was a lot of fun. It wasn't the best Marvel movie, but it wasn't the worst either. So there you go. <laughs> All right. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>